It's important to remember that our time is our life. Wasted time turns into a wasted life. This message is the 11th in the series, Wiser. The message is entitled, Wise Timing, Part 2. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. Grab your Bibles, if you will, your teaching sheets as we turn our attention to the last message in the series and called, called Wiser. I want to continue to talk this weekend about wise timing in your life. We started this theme last weekend. I want to continue it again this weekend for us as we're talking about the whole concept of wisdom. When your wisdom, when your wisdom increases, your life improves. Every time you get a little bit wiser, your life gets a bit better. And in this series, starting all the way back in the, in the month of January, as we started a new year together, we've been focusing on wisdom as it relates to a number of different areas of life. Wisdom when it comes to your decision-making, wisdom in your relationships. Most recently, we've been talking about wisdom regarding your time. And we've been using a definition together of wisdom. I'm going to bring that back to our attention one final time, as today is the, is the last message in the series, and invite all of us at all of our campuses to read it together. It's going to be on the screen, so would you read with me? Here we go. Wisdom is together the accumulation and possession of knowledge, truth, guiding principles, moral precepts, right values, proper priorities, good sense, and prudent judgment from God's perspective, and the ability to practically apply these to everyday life and decisions. This is a very comprehensive decision, a, a, a comprehensive definition based upon all the different aspects of wisdom throughout the, the pages of the Bible. But let me boil down wisdom for you in one statement. Riz, wisdom really is knowing the right thing to do at the right time in the right way. Wisdom is knowing how to live your life, not just knowing what to do that is right, but actually doing it, living it out in your life. And the book of Proverbs is one of the greatest places to learn about wisdom because it is the book of wisdom. It's the book where Solomon writes for us, gives us his insights that God gave him. And we've been looking at a number of these wisdom principles through this book. I want you to look with me at Proverbs chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, and what the Bible says about wisdom, its purpose. Here, Solomon writes and says the purpose, that is the purpose of these Proverbs, the book of Proverbs is to teach people wisdom. And what's the next word there? discipline, circle that word on your notes, if you will, to teach some understanding, the insights of the wise, their purpose, the purpose of the book of Proverbs is to teach people to live, what's that next word again, disciplined lives, dis dis disciplined and successful lives to help them to do what is right, just, and fair. What word did I ask you to circle twice? What basic word is it there? It's the word discipline. Say that word with me. So wisdom is demonstrated through what kind of a life? A disciplined life. And so if you don't learn how to live a disciplined life, you will never have a wise life. Let's continue now in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 11. A hard worker or a disciplined person. You do not work hard without discipline. A hard worker has plenty, that you're going to have enough, plenty of food, but a person who chases fantasies has no sense. If all you have is a dream in your mind, you never apply discipline to a dream, the dream will never become a reality. Every dream that becomes a reality only does so by someone applying 
discipline. Notice Proverbs 25, verse 28. A person without self-control or without self-discipline is like a city with broken down walls. I like the way the message paraphrase gives this to us. A person without self-control or self-discipline is like a house with its doors and windows knocked out. You would never dream of living in a house that had no windows or doors because you would be vulnerable to all kinds of attacks. And the same is true in your life and my life. If we don't have self-discipline, we get attacked from every side. We get rendered useless in life. Now, one of the areas where you and I desperately need to be disciplined is in the use of our time. Why is this so important? Because your time is your life, and your life is your time. When you spend your time, you're spending a portion of your life. It's not something you can get back. And so every day that we utilize time in whatever manner that we do, we're actually giving our life to those things. And so we talked last weekend about the concept of time and how the Bible, especially the New Testament, points out that there, the concept of time includes two basic things, the chronos which is the time that you count on a watch or on a calendar. It is a particular day or minute or hour. And then the other word is the word kairos, and that speaks of time as it relates to the opportunity of the moment. That is, there is a time, there's something that you can do with your moment of time. That in the chronos of life, there are kairos moments, opportunities that you can make out of them. And God challenges us to make the most, get the most out of, get the most opportunities out of our chronos, out of our time. So every day, God gives you time, and He looks and watches to see what you and I will do with it. We talked about the importance of focusing very clearly on the utilization of our our time as a gift given to us by God to make sure that we're living our life on purpose, we're following God's principles, we're making sure that we're living life according to the right priorities. Now today, I want to share with you two more things that will help you to get a good handle on how you use your time, how to discipline your time. And today, first, I want to share with you the importance of learning to arrest something in your life called time robbers or time thieves. Arrest the time robbers and arrest the time thieves. When you waste your time, what are you wasting? Your life. This is important to understand. Anytime you waste your time, you're wasting your life. You waste your life by wasting your time. And because we are in a spiritual battle, we don't just live in a world where it's human only. We live in a world where there's a, there are spiritual forces around us, spiritual forces of darkness. And because we live in a spiritual conflict, a spiritual battleground, the devil will do everything possible in the life of a believer, in the life of any person, to try to rob them of their time. Because if the devil can rob you of your time, he's robbing you of your life. If he can get you to waste your time, he's keeping you away from something valuable with your life. And so the enemy is a thief that wants to steal time from you. Jesus spoke of this in John chapter 10, verse 10, when he said, the thief, the devil's purpose, and he is a thief, is to steal and kill and destroy. The devil wants to steal everything he can from you, and part of what he will steal from you is your your time. And so Jesus said, I came so you can have a full and satisfying life if you'll le learn to live it my way. So it's extremely important that we learn some of the tactics that the devil will use to try to steal time from us. And so I'm going to share with you over the next several moments seven time thieves 
Seven very subtle things that can sneak into your life and steal your time away. And when, he's, when the stealing of your time happens, the stealing of your life happens. Number one, poor judgment. We can waste time because of poor judgment. Judgment is the ability to size up a situation and know the right thing to do. And so sometimes we don't know how to look at our calendars and say, well, what should I really be doing with my time? I don't have good judgment. We don't have good judgment about time utilization. And so instead of really investing our time, we waste our time. We spend our time. See, there's a difference between spending and investing. You can spend your money on things that give you no return, or you can invest your money on things that provide a return for you. When it comes to time, it is true as well. You can waste time, you can spend time, or you can invest time, and judgment allows you to know, when am I wasting time, when am I spending time, and when am I investing in something that will give me a dividend? Because anytime you invest wisely, there's always a payback, there's always a dividend that will come, and so we must develop our judgment. When was the last time you looked at your calendar, you looked at your life and said, let me really begin to understand how am I wasting time, how am I spending time, how am I investing time, how is my judgment when it comes to the utilization of time. The second thing that will rob us of our time is immaturity. People who are spiritually and emotionally immature are are continually influenced by what they feel. And in any moment, what they're feeling will dictate what they do. And so I'm only going to do what I feel, or if I feel something, it's going to cause me to act or perform in a certain way. Let me show you how this works in terms of time. When your feelings are all anxious and worried and fretful, does that affect how you use your time? Of course it does, because your emotions begin to pull you away from the good utilization of time. When you're angry, for example, and you're all frustrated and mad about something, does that affect the use of your time? Of course it does, because it pulls you into this world where you're dealing with yourself, you're dealing with all your anger and all of your emotions. I'm sure that many of you have this experience in your life that you started out a day and you, you planned to have a really, really great day and you had a, maybe a free day, you were off work, you're going to have a fantastic day and then the day started out with an argument with someone and before long this argument just begins to unfold and you get caught up in the argument and you ruin an entire day because of emotional and spiritual immaturity. How many would just shake your head and say, you'd like to get some of those days back sometimes, right? Because you've lost days. Some people lose weeks. Some people lose years because they get angry and mad. They live in this kind of turmoil on the inside because they haven't grown up. See, one of the greatest things that can happen in your life and my life is to grow up. Why don't you say to yourself, I need to grow up. Just say, I need to grow up, okay? Because when you grow up, it's amazing what happens in terms of how you use time. Thirdly, the third stealer, if you will, thief of time is lack of inspiration. Inspiration is that that sense of purpose that you have about life. And I will tell you that if you get up every day and there's no purpose to your life, you're not going to pursue utilization of your time very wisely. You'll just sort of do whatever you do. And so you need to be inspired. Dear ones, would you hear me this morning tell you God has a purpose for your life. That you're valuable to God and God wants to breathe into you that inspiration. There's a reason for your being. It doesn't mean that you'll understand everything all the time, but there's a sense that I'm living with a destiny. I'm going somewhere with my life. I'm not just an accident on the way to happen. I'm actually living on 
purpose. And I've discovered in my own life that when I lose that sense of inspiration, my time utilization becomes very poor. And so I need to get back with God and hang out with Jesus because every time you hang around Jesus, I promise you, you'll get inspired. He always breathes into you inspiration. Let me tell you something else about inspiration. Inspiration is not just waiting around to feel good before you do something. Sometimes the way you get inspiration is by doing something. It's the action you take. So I have people that ask me at times, oh, Pastor Dale, when you write those messages, you must be really inspired. And the picture is they think that somehow I sit in some holy little place and the Holy Spirit comes into the room and grabs my arm and I begin to write, okay? Because I'm so inspired. You know what? It never happens, okay? I'm going to give you a key word that I use in, in preparing every message. Are you ready for it? work, okay? I get a blank sheet of paper out, and sometimes I don't have a clue what's going to go on that piece of paper. But I pray, and I open up my Bible, and I start writing, and I start working, I start sweating. See, sometimes the greatest things in life are not really inspiration, they're perspiration, okay, right? And a lot of what will happen in terms of inspiration in your life starts with perspiration. Because when you begin to put work into it, it's amazing once you get some things going, how inspired. Notice the next time you don't want to clean your house, but you get up and start cleaning anyway, even when you don't want to, you feel like it. At some point in time, you get a little inspired, don't you? It kind of gets, you start cleaning out closets, you start doing all kinds of stuff, you start washing windows, okay? What happened to mom? I don't know. She got inspired, okay? Right? <laughs> She got inspired because she got up and did something. He got up and did something. So sometimes inspiration is not sitting back and waiting. It's, it's taking the effort and doing something, getting to work. Are you ready for the fourth one? That was underwhelming. I'll ask it again. Are you ready for the fourth one? Are you sure you're ready for the fourth one? Okay. The fourth robber of your time is procrastination. A collective, ooh, went across the crowd just then, okay. Anytime you put off your important work that needs to be done till another time, what you're doing actually is you're, you're wasting time. You say, I'll do it later. I'll eventually get around to it. Have you noticed that those around to it's never quite happen often? And here's the challenge, the things that you tend to put off are the hard things. The reason you procrastinate is because, you know, it's going to be hard to do that, or maybe you're afraid to try to tackle it, and so you push it off till another time. Here's a great principle for your life. This will change your life if you'll begin to apply it. Do always do the hard things first. Look at your day and say, what are the hardest things I'm going to have to do today? And whatever those hardest things are, go ahead and do those first because you're, you're, all your day can get is better after that, right? And so you tackle the hard things first. I remind our, my grandchildren of this, always pay before you play. If you want to play, you need to pay first. Do your homework first, then you got plenty of time to play. And so don't try to play first because if you play first, you'll never do the payment that you need to make for the things that are important in your life. So you pay first. Do the hard things first. Don't procrastinate. And that's a tendency we all have to say, I'll do it later. I'll do it when I feel like it. I'll do it when I get around to it. And it's the hard things we shove aside. Are you ready for number five? Are you sure? Laziness. 
Somebody said, well, I came to church this weekend to get all encouraged, and here's the pastor just beating me up this weekend. I promise you we're going to turn this around in just a moment, okay? Laziness. Let me tell you about laziness. Laziness is connected to procrastination. Lazy people tend to procrastinate, but it's not the only issue because laziness goes down into your bones. It's a character defect. And let me show you something about lazy people. Here's the one thing that lazy people want. They're looking for the easy life. Show me easy street. I want to live there. Okay. They're looking for the easy way out of life. They're looking for the shortcuts. If I can find a shortcut, if I can find an easy way out, that's what I want. The least path, path, path of resistance, give it to me. I want my life to be easy. Now understand something. If you want your life to be easy, here's the, here's, here's the understanding. You're never going to accomplish very much with your life because the most important things in life are hard. Are you hearing me? The most important things you'll ever do in life are hard. If you're a student, what's the mo- what's the, what is the toughest thing to do in school? Study. Okay, pay attention, right? What, the lazy thing or the easy way, well, I'll just show up when I want to. I'm not going to do my work. And of course, you're not going to be successful. That's why discipline never, it, it, this, the, the easy and discipline don't go together. Because discipline is always hard, but it's always what will lead you to success. And there are a lot of people who are sort of sitting around wanting their life to be easy. They're waiting, as I've heard it said before, they're waiting for their ship to come in. And they're sitting on the beach in a lawn chair, if you will, metaphorically, and waiting for their ship to come in. Let me tell you something, dear one. Your ship is not coming in. You've got to swim out to it. You've got to make some choices in your life that you're going to move forward with your life. Don't let laziness eat away at your life. Are you ready for number six? Are you sure? Okay. Addiction to entertainment. Our culture is addicted to entertainment, addicted to amusement. Billions of dollars are spent every year in the entertainment industry. Unfathomable hours are wasted on so many of those things. By the way, let me just say something as a, as a little caveat here. I'm not saying that all entertainment is bad. I think it's an important time for you to have some downtime in your life and to be able to reflect, re- reflect and relax. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I'm talking about the addiction that our culture has to entertainment. A recent study was done just last year that the average American, the average American spends up to 11 hours every day online. 11 hours a day. Now, how many hours are in a day? 24. So we're, we're approaching, and this number is increasing rapidly every year, and we're, 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 we're approaching the time that we as a culture are spending as much as half of our day in an online world, much of which is a world that is not always so good for you when it comes to social media and those kinds of things. Uh, again, there's the beneficial side of it, but there's also the side where it can bring depression and discouragement and all kinds of things into your life. And so we're moving into a culture where people are just wasting large amounts of time in things that have no beneficial value for their life. They're wasting their life away online in front of a television set, playing video games. Again, those things have their value, their time. I'm not against all those things all the time. But I had someone recently talk to me about spending hours watching cat videos on YouTube. Can you imagine this? Like, what? Really? 
And I said, what I want to say, like, you really need to get a life, you know. It's like, you love cats, but that's, that's way too much cat for me, okay? Way too much cat, okay? But we do things like this, and we say, well, what? I'm so busy, I'm so busy, I don't have any time, okay? But then we don't think about where we are actually spending it. You ready for number seven? This one gets a little bit better, okay? Poor life management. When our life management skills are undeveloped or underdeveloped, we end up wasting time because you and I need to manage our life, as I'm going to talk about in a moment, according to a plan, use some self-control to do something called deferring your gratification. What does deferring your gratification mean? Everybody say this phrase to me, defer gratification. To defer gratification means I might want something now, but I'm going to do the work that I need to do and wait on it till later. I'm not going to, I I don't have to have everything that I want right now. Correct? And that's when you apply discipline to your life. You set aside some things that might make you feel good for the things that will make your life better. See, some things that might make you feel good is not going to make your life better, okay? It might make you feel good for a little bit, but it's not really going to make your life better. So deferred gratification says, I'm going to lay aside the things that might gratify me right now and make me feel better for the sake of something that's going to actually be better in my life, okay? Now you know that eating a bowl of ice cream feels good, amen, okay? Anybody say hallelujah, glory to Jesus, ice cream, all right, right? It's, it's, it's really, really good. But if your goal is to try to get in shape, how many of you know that you've got to defer some of that ice cream gratification for something that is better in your life called health? Right? You hearing me? Okay. So what we're not good at many times is pushing down the things that we make us feel good in the moment for the goal that is actually better for our lives that will lead us somewhere called success. See, God designs you to be successful. I'm not talking about just having a bunch of money. I'm talking about living a successful life, a victorious life that will honor and glorify God, to have families that honor and glorify God. How many of you want to be, from a biblical standpoint, successful, right? Okay? Not just, I'm not talking about worldly success. I'm talking about biblically a successful person, a person who has their life together. And so to get to that point of being a successful person, you're going to have to say no to some things that will make you feel good in the moment so you can get to the things that will make you actually the better person that God wants you to be. It's called deferring gratification. You can't do that unless you have a life plan. And that's my second and last point I want to talk to you about today. You and I need to adopt a life management plan. You need a life management plan if you're going to get to where God wants you to be. What kind of plan is it? I didn't say time management plan, did I? What did I say? A life management plan. Not a time management plan, but a life management plan. Now, a life management plan allows you to actually apply discipline for the sake of a bigger goal. You know what I want my life to be, the successful life that God's called me to, and I know what that looks like. I want to be a godly parent. I want to be a good husband, good wife. I want to be a good whatever it might be. I want to serve God in this way. So here's my goal. I, need, I know what my purpose in life is. 
what God's wanting me to be and do in life, my responsibilities, and I want to be the best at it that I can be. So this plan is designed to focus me toward my goal and allow me to apply the discipline necessary to get to that goal. Because no goal, listen, no goal is ever accomplished without a plan and without discipline applied to the plan. Because if you don't apply discipline to the plan, all you have is good intention, right? And all of us today, I, I, got, I got a list that long of good intentions. How about you? One day I want to do this, and one day I want to do this, one day I'm going to be that. And so we have all this good intention, but good intention never translates into reality until you say, that's my goal, here's my plan, now I'm going to apply my discipline to the plan so that the goal will become a reality. And some of you are saying, well, are you sure that God wants me to have a plan? Absolutely. Go with me to the Bible and look at Proverbs chapter 16, verse number 3. All of our campuses, would you read this together aloud and loudly? Here we go. Ask to Ask the Lord to bless your plans, and you will be successful in carrying them out. Would you please note that phrase there, to bless whose plans? Your plans. Circle it on your notes. Ask the Lord to bless your plans. God can't bless a plan unless you have one. Are you hearing me? It didn't say ask God to bless His plans. God does have a plan for your life, but God wants you to do some planning as well. See, a lot of us as people, all we want to do is sit back and just hope that God gives us a miracle for stuff. I'm all in favor of miracles. I believe in miracles. I pray for miracles. We need miracles. But let me tell you something else. Sometimes what you, what you need in your life is not a miracle. You need a plan, okay? You need a plan that will move you forward with your life. When the children of Israel came into the land of promise, God stopped the miracle of manna every day and said, now build an agricultural plan. Learn how to farm. Learn how to use this land so it will produce fruit for you on an ongoing fashion. See, what you and I need to do is we need a plan in life toward the goal God's called us to that we can apply discipline to. And I promise you when that begins to happen, God can bless it. Notice, if you will, the next verse. Proverbs 21, verse number 5. Careful planning puts you where? Ahead in the long run. Hurry and scurry puts you further behind. So when you don't have a plan, you're just running around like a chicken with a head cut off. Every little bit here, over here, over there, you don't know what you're doing in your life. But careful planning puts you ahead, okay? Now, James brings some balance to all this. Now, listen. You who say, today or tomorrow, we will go into this or that city, spend a year there carrying on business and make money. Why do you not even know what, 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 why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. So God's saying to us, now make your plan, but leave room for my plan in your plan. Just because you have a plan doesn't mean that it's always in line with God's plan, but if you'll stay open to Him, He'll adjust your plan in accordance with His plan, but you need a plan. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, you need a plan. Go and tell him, you need a plan, okay? Do you have a plan, okay? You need a plan. Open to God's plan. Now, here's how, here's the, here's the way many people live, okay? We've got people on this side of the fence in terms of the way they live their life, and they're very planned, Every minute is planned. I mean, if any on the calendar, they're not going to do it. Don't you mess with my calendar. And everything has to go exactly like they plan, okay? 
And they live their life very rigidly. There's no flexibility. And then on the other side of the coin, you got the people like, I don't even know what a plan is, man. Okay. I'm a free spirit, okay? I don't need a plan. Life is good. Ooh. Who needs a plan? Let's just do what I feel like doing in the moment. Oh, that feels so good, okay? No plan. And here's the challenge. They always marry each other, okay? Okay. Right? Right? You're laughing because you know it's true, okay? That's what happens. They end up marrying each other, okay? And that's a source of some conflict. Here's the thing you must understand, okay? Where's wisdom always found? Wisdom is always found in the middle. Always remember that. Wisdom is never found on the edges. Wisdom is found not on this edge or that. Where's wisdom found? in the middle. You need a plan, but you need some flexibility in the way you live your life as well. You need a plan, but you need some spontaneity. You need some spontaneity, but you need a plan. And so real wisdom is always found where? In the... Always remember that. Wisdom is always found in the middle. And so for the next five minutes, we're going to be done here. I'm going to give you five ways to develop a life plan, life management plan. Let me say this before I do. The toughest person you will ever manage in your life is you. You're the toughest person you'll ever manage. I don't care if you're a CEO, CEO, whatever you are, the toughest person you'll ever manage is you, okay? So if you can learn to manage you, that's the beginning step to learn to manage and lead other people. So this is why this is important. So five things to develop a life management plan. Number one, evaluation. Write it down, evaluation, okay? Let's stop and say, where am I spending my time right now? How many hours is there, are there in a week? Were you guys here last weekend? How many hours in a week? 168 hours every week. So you start by saying, where am I spending my time right now? Here's the key. Got to be honest. If you're spending 20 hours a week on Facebook, don't lie to yourself and say, well, I'm really only spending two. No, you aren't, okay? Be honest because it's not going to help you unless you really know what you're doing. But where am I really spending my time, okay? And so you do an evaluation. I've got 168 hours every week. Where am I spending my time right now? Here's what you're going to discover. You're going to discover a lot of waste in your life you didn't even realize was there. I promise you'll discover it, okay? But do the evaluation. Find out how you're spending your time. Second word is allocation. Write it down, allocation. Now, based upon where I'm spending my time right now, where should I be spending my time? If I'm going to get to this goal of who I need to be in life and who God wants me to be in life, if I'm going to get there, how do I change what I'm doing I've evaluated, I realized what I'm doing now. Where should I be allocated? It's called a budget. Okay, that's all it is. It's a time budget. Just like you have a money budget, hopefully, you need to have a time budget. So how am I going to spend my time? And have some flexibility in it. doesn't have to be rigid. But take a look at the 168 hours you have every week and, and make sure you have a sense of where it should be spent. Create a calendar. Create a plan. Write it down. This is where I'm going to spend. I'm going to spend X number of hours reading this week. I'm going to spend X number of hours with my kids this week. I'm going to spend X number of hours with my spouse this week. I'm going to spend X number of hours at work this week. And so you set a plan, allocate, where, because again, if you're going to ask God to bless your plan, what do you need to have? A plan, okay? And so that's what allocation is. It's a plan, okay? And then you need to be aware of your weaknesses. Be very much aware of where you are weak when it comes to managing your time. 
Some of you, your issue is procrastination. Others of you may, may be poor judgment. Some of you, it may be immaturity in your emotions, the way you're dealing with it. But come, become aware of what wastes a lot of my time that I need to get out of my life. Because it's only when you recognize where you're weak that you can begin to build some fences and some things that will protect you in that area so you're not doing the same thing you've been doing that got you into trouble to begin with. I'll give you a very silly illustration, but it'll help you to understand it from my perspective. I'm going to give you a little confession. Uh, you know, all of us like different kind of foods and desserts and those kind of things. And I, I'm, I'm like, a, I, I, I just, I don't know, maybe as a kid, I fell in love with M&M's. I love M&M's. They're just awesome, okay? I don't care what flavor they are. I'll just eat them. Give me a bag like that. Five minutes, they're gone, okay? okay? So my wife has made a decision. She does not buy M&M's. She will not bring them into the house. She knows my weakness, okay? She knows that she doesn't want me to eat them. I, 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 I really want to eat them, but uh, <laughs> she's made a decision. I've agreed with it because I think it's better for me and my health not to. Now, and I told her anytime, and she's made a decision, anytime you buy M&M's, hide them, okay? Make sure you hide them, and so she hides them. I get up in the middle of the night with a flashlight. <laughs> Where are you? Okay. But the point is, is that there, there's, some, there's some guardrails for me because I have a weakness right there. Are you with me? Are you tracking with me? Okay. Everybody is weak in some areas. If you don't know your weakness, you can't do anything to help you with your weakness, right? And so where are you weak? Is it procrastination? What is it that tends to pull you into a wasting of your time? The fourth thing that you and I need to make sure that we do, this is extremely valuable as a part of this journey, is to regu regularly review it. Give you an example of that. Each day after you finish your day, stop and look at your day and say, did my day go the way I allocated it? Because not every day will. Some days you get interrupted with stuff, right? Some day you're planning to do one thing and something else comes up and you couldn't help it. So you, what did, how did today go? What do I need to adjust tomorrow based upon what happened today? And then do it about once a week. Take a look at your week. Say, how am I doing? It's a great thing to do every Sunday night before you go into Monday morning to take about 10 minutes. It's all it takes, sometimes not even that much, to open up your calendar look at it. So what does my week look like? Am I, you know, am I going anywhere with my life this week? Am I working toward my allocated time management goals? Let me know I'm preaching good this morning, right? Okay. I'm preaching the Bible to you this morning, okay? I'm moving you forward in the things that God has for your life. That's what I'm doing. I'm trying to help you, okay? God's trying to help you, all right? Moving you forward. So you review about once every three or four months. Stop. So well, let me step back for a minute. Let me just look over the picture. Do I need to do? And then this is where your last word comes in. Make adjustments. Continual, make, continually make adjustments. Why? Because your seasons change. Things happen in your life. If you're going through a season of uh, with parenting or maybe your kid's in school or whatever it might be, you have to adjust based upon that. So don't get locked into something that's rigid, that's not changeable, but you're at least reviewing it and making the adjustments. And here's the key, so that your plan is moving you toward the goal of development that God has for you. So you can be the best and whatever it is that God wants you to be doing, what He's assigned to you in your life, whatever your assignment is, you want to be the best at it, Right? Right? Whatever God's assigned to you, you want to be the best at it, okay? That's called success, being the best at what God's assigned me to do. That's all it is, okay? Being the best at what God's assigned me to do. Now I've got a plan that's going to help me to be the best at what God's asked me to do. I realize I've got to apply the discipline to it so that plan will be effected so that the accomplishment will happen. And that's the message on wisdom for your time. Amen? Let's pray together. 
Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity we've had today to study your word. We're grateful for the word of God and how it speaks to our lives and how it helps us to grow. And it gets right down to where we live. And I thank you for this message about time. Help us, Lord, in this area of life to really focus in, to grow, to become the people you've called us to be by allocating our time in ways that will honor you. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. I would like to close today by giving you an opportunity to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Would you pray with me right now? Right where you are, just simply bow your head with me and I'm going to give you a prayer to pray and you can simply speak this prayer out, whisper this prayer out and from the sincerity of your heart, call upon God and I promise you that He will hear and answer you. So let's pray together. Start by simply whispering the name Jesus. Let there come uh, from your heart just the declaration of His name. Say, Jesus, I know that, that I am a sinner, that I have fallen short with you. I'm sorry for all of my sins. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you are God's Son. I believe that you are the Savior of the world. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you rose from the grave, that you are alive today. Now pray these words. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Give me a new start in you. I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says that when we call upon God's name, we call upon the Son of God, there is salvation that comes to our lives. He changes us from the inside out, and you become a new creation. All things pass away. All things become new. And that's exactly what has happened to you today. Your next step really is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church. And you begin to study God's Word, get God's Word in you, and to make sure that you get a copy of the Bible if you don't have one and begin to read it. Spend some time every day in prayer. And I would encourage you also to check out the resources on our website that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. You can find them at church-redeemer.org. Get those into your hands. Get started in your new life with Jesus Christ. Thanks again for joining us today. May God bless you, and we look forward to seeing you next time. If you've prayed with a pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to church-redeemer.org slash a new you. We pray that this message was a blessing to you.